0: Hello, welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all of the masterpieces and trash-to-pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we're at that time of year where we get to record what's always my favourite episode every year. It's our 20 best horror films of the year. Oh. The end of year celebration with Horror Court Trash Over. So strap yourselves in for our New Year's Eve party and uh, wear some at fancy. We're obviously in tuxes right now.
1: We are. We're ready to press play on the Mariah Carey singing "Old Lang Syne video. Yes. Yes, we are. Um, and if you haven't seen it, please YouTube it. I don't know what she was thinking with that green screen.
0: But yes. Yeah. <laughs> so before we dig in. Yes. A couple of things we need to get out of the way. A couple of rules. Okay. Uh, and regulations for the horror cult trash of a uh, end of year episode. First up... There will be no spoilers, no. so you can listen without worrying about any spoilers. Hallelujah.
1: Yeah, so our purpose here is to bring you the biggest, brightest, and best of 2023 horror. And that does include some films that aren't as easily available. Yeah. So really, we don't want to spoil uh-huh. any of the films for you, because we are here saying, and there's going to be more than 20, because both have our individual lists, Mm -hmm. Um, but we're here saying, here's films we really fucking loved in 2023, please go out there and watch it if you can, Yeah, you know, and go to your local cinema and say, why are you not showing this film?
0: Yeah, be old school, get a pen and paper ready to (laughs) jot the recommendations down. Uh, Second, all of the films on this list are horror to us. Yes. And if you're thinking, wait, that doesn't feel like it's a horror film. Well, it's our podcast to so deal with it. Uh, but also, <laughs> um, it, I feel horror is subjective sometimes. And I think horror is definitely yeah, subjective. And uh, these are all horror films to us. And finally, last but not least, these are all films released in the UK in 2023. And including some festival films we've watched that haven't had a release yet. So keep an eye out for them. And before you ask, yes, we already discussed Pearl last year. Go and check out last year's episode if you want to hear us discuss Pearl.
1: Yeah, so essentially what we're saying is these films were first available to us for mm-hmm. us to watch in the year of his Lord
0: 2023. Yes. Thank you very PC. much for that. Um, <laughs> so, without any further ado, shall we get into it? Yeah, go on in. Starting up with awards, round one. It's the annual call Treasure for Awards Ceremony. And first up, we have the classic Oh My Christmas God Award for biggest horror surprise of the year.
1: Oh My Christmas God.
0: Would you like to go first? I would, I would love to go
1: first. My biggest horror surprise of the year was Saw X or Saw 10 or however you like to say yeah. it. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, If you listen back to our episodes on the Saw franchise, Mm -hmm. you'll start to hear me get a little fed up by the end. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wasn't expecting great stuff from Saw 10, but they delivered. I thought it was a,
0: a, a jolly good film. Yeah sure we'll have more to say that later on absolutely as we will about my oh my christmas god award oh my christmas for god new life um film we watched at fright fest didn't know anything about it so technically it was a surprise when it ended up surpassing four stars yeah
1: no absolutely yeah a really great film that obviously we'll talk about again later on and surprises can come in different shapes and forms it's you know, it could be I was expecting a bag of shite and I was pleasantly surprised yeah. or I had no expectations whatsoever. And it was really fucking good. Yeah. You know, or I had no history with this film. I hadn't even seen a trailer. Mm-hmm. And wow. What, what a film.
0: Yeah. Next up, we have the Oh My Christmas God Award for oh biggest Christmas surprise God. of the year across all genres. And I have No Hard Feelings. I completely
1: agree. For the same reasons as Saw X. um, And we'd seen the trailer numerous
0: times. Yeah, We've got a little fed up of it, to be fair. There was no reason for it to be any different to any of a 15 rated sex comedy. Yeah. But yeah. it surpassed it. And I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was hilarious. Jennifer Lawrence gives one of the best performances of the year in her role. Absolutely hilarious. It's so good. Yeah. And yeah, cannot recommend it enough. If you think it looks basic, we're here to tell you it isn't.
1: Oh my Christmas God.
0: Do you have any more to say on No No, 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 no. no. So next up, we have the Garbage Day Award for biggest horror disappointment of the year. Garbage Day! Now, uh, it doesn't bring me any pleasure to say this. At all. uh, Because this is also the worst horror film of the year, I'd say. Yes. And... uh, is unfortunately David Gordon Green and Blumhouse's The Exorcist Believer. Um, is yeah. it yours as well? Yeah, absolutely. You're a double Completely award. you agree. The only award you're going to win, The Exorcist
1: Believer. Um, <laughs> a, a, gi- a giant disappointment. Humongous. I actually thought it had some good marketing behind it. I, I did laugh a little at some of it. Um, it had Ellen Burstyn for... Yeah. Fuck's sake. Yeah.
0: Good for her getting a payday. Yeah. Get but your money, Ellen. Fuck me. This film, it it genuinely felt like they had made a generic exorcism film, and threw the exorcist title on it, and threw in Ellen Burstyn at the last minute because her story arc, her little story arc in the film, oh, did not need to be there. Like you could have took that out and you would have had the same film. It felt in some
1: way like they were trying to redo. Halloween 2018, yeah. rather than the exorcist. Yeah. That's how it felt. Which is to ridiculous. Me. You
0: can't do that same plot with the fucking exorcist. No,
1: no. It just felt really familiar. And we really enjoyed Halloween 2018. Yeah. Really enjoyed that, but it just didn't work in this context. It didn't. And they should have known from the get-go that it was going to be a, a failure. Because it, re- it really was absolute
0: dog shit. It doesn't even have an exorcist performing the exorcism. No. Like, why <laughs> is it no. called the exorcist? It uses a real-life disaster as a plot point. A cheap plot point. Yeah. You know, it's fucking dog shit. And, yeah. That also reminds me, and I need to mention, we used to do 10 best and 10 worst of the year. But this year... Honestly, if we even tried to do that again, we wouldn't have 10 bad horror films, which is great. It's just a sign of how great this year has been. Yeah, let's make something abundantly
1: clear. 2023 has been a fantastic year for yeah. the film. Um we have also um gone out of our way to not watch films we kind of knew we would hate. Yeah. Um I I don't want to be and it's fine if you are. But I don't wanna be that guy who watches every single film ever made Mm -hmm. and wonder why I can't relate to, you know, Barbie's Nutcracker 2. Mm -hmm. And we're like, oh, this wasn't made for me, but I'm still hating it, you know? Yeah. Unless it's for the podcast and we can get some funny (laughs) Yeah. If we get some funny
0: comments out of it. So what we're saying (laughs) is
1: what we're saying is do as I say no I
0: do. (laughs) So what we're saying is Shame on you, David Gordon Green, for making us believe the Excess Believer would have been a good film.
1: But this but this is this is the thing. It it was Ellen Burstyn was in it. Um I was pretty sure Linda Blair was gonna pop up at some point. Um Whether no she does not say Yeah, but I was pretty sure or hopeful. So I was going to watch this film. Yeah. No matter what. I didn't actually think the marketing was too bad. Um Yeah. Yeah, but the
0: end product and the Garbage Day Award for biggest disappointment Day. of the year across all genres. For me, it's Empire of Light. The, um, Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes, isn't it? Sam yeah, Mendes, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. His film with Olivia Coleman, baffling to me how this was so bad. And, like, laughable at times. Like, this was the contender for Trash the Piece of the Year. It's genuinely just so ham-fisted, so badly written um, to try and include social commentary that, you know, can work in films, as we've seen in many other films. But it, here it's just so forced to the point that it's just embarrassing at times. It's cringy and... Kind of wanky as well. Really wanky. It really
1: got lost up its own arse. Yeah, it, it thought point. it was winning Oscars. Yeah. It was
0: convinced it was going to be big Oscar winner this year. Yeah. And it is a classic example of oscar bait but yeah. just foul short
1: it's unfortunate because i really like the people involved you know i like sam mendes as a director really love olivia Coleman. you know and the story was really interesting mm. it was again it's something i definitely would have watched yeah. it's not i didn't go into it thinking i was going to hate it um so yeah it was it was a disappointment uh, for me, I went with Babylon. Yeah. Uh, really, what Babylon could have been. Yeah. And I don't hate Babylon. I don't think it's as bad as Empire of Lights. But I really thought I was going to come out of that film saying this is 20 out of 10. Yeah. This is sheer perfection. I loved every single second of it. And it was just, I came out of it like, all right yeah yeah you know it wasn't it wasn't i had no real thing to say either way and mm-hmm. because i was expecting greatness and because the subject matter was right up my alley mm-hmm. excuse me, then uh <laughs> i i uh was severely disappointed
0: walking out yeah yeah same mm-hmm Next up, we have the Cheese and Pickle Award for biggest basic bitch of the year.
1: Cheese and pickle, basic.
0: Within the horror genre, what is yours? I went
1: with the Boogeyman. Oh,
0: oh, yeah, one of a few, oh. one of a few possible um, answers for this one. For this, I did go into it. Tell me, what's the Boogeyman about?
1: Because I don't fucking remember. Oh. <laughs> uh, Ha- someone's haunted. <laughs> oh, shit. All I remember is that big, like, moon light. I don't even remember that. That she rolled everywhere, and you just knew she was going to roll it under the bed and then get a, sh- a fright. <laughs> was that a spoiler? No, it was in the trailer. It was it was right. in the trailer. Um, yeah. just but the really guy who did all... host. It had no yeah. reason to be this bad. I just... I... Basic, should I say. I just, I don't, yeah. I don't, I've got nothing to say. hmm which I suppose is the point.
0: Well, in that case, I'll give mine. <laughs> mine was... Uh, it could have been The Boogerman, but it wasn't. It was The Nun 2. Oh. Cheese and pickle. Yeah. Basic. I suppose for me,
1: at least, that had Bonnie in. She's memorable.
0: Good old Bonnie Aaron. not enough of her. Um, Definitely not enough of her. The most pointless film to be released in The Conjuring franchise so far. Uh, and this is probably a good moment to host a little in memoriam for franchises that have just... Died. Horrible death this <laughs> year. Oh, oh, God. The Port the Conjuring franchise. Yes. Rest in peace. I mean, hopefully you can revitalise yourself. Insidious, please, just just do something to bring yourself back. We need more Lin Shay. I mean, the Red Door was fine. Cheese and pickle. But it was fucking basic. basic. Could have had this award. Um, The DCEU. Rest in peace. Actually, rest in peace. It's yeah. actually gone. Gone. And forgotten. Um... Yeah. What about, dare I say, the MCU? Oh, it took some beating it's, this year. It, took a, it had some damage. It had some knocks, hasn't it? That brings me to my um, Cheese and Pickle Award. You can wipe away your tears now. Cheese and Pickle. <laughs> um, Wait, no, mine is... Any other, any other films die? Uh, franchises die off this year? Um, absolutely, and that's my okay, okay. basic bitch okay. as well. Well, mine is leading on from our conversation about the MCU Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania and it does not make me happy to tell you that as someone who's followed the MCU from day one and has been an MCU defender for the longest time this was fucking awful cheese um, and pickle yeah basic it's just it's just dire but basic as well like it is it is the ultimate cheese and pickle sandwich because it's got the beginning middle and end that you expect from all of these films But it does it without adding anything new to it. Instead, it's just there for exposition to set up a character who now is either going to be recast or not in the franchise at all. So it's a waste of time as well. Um, It just does nothing. It's It's just a big CGI mess. And I was bored. I was bored. And this year we've had Guardians of the Galaxy. We've had the Marvel. So it's not been all bad. But we also had Secret Invasion. So it's kind of like... It's This year's been half basic and half decent with the MCU, and it has me a little nervous. In terms yeah. of the MCU, uh, Gary introduced me to
1: the MCU, so it's not like I've been a fan from the very beginning. It's only within the last, what, six years hmm. that I've watched them, and I haven't watched all of them. There's the ones Gary's told me not to watch, so that's fine. But I'm invested. I am, you know, invested in the MCU. And kind of for the first time watching quantum mania i i sat there i I don't care yeah i actually don't care and it was setting something up this uh it It was setting up so i should have been invested but i was like i don't actually give a shit Mm. can this please be over this is so boring you know and i would never ever get my phone out in the cinema but i was like i need something Rubik's Cube or something Just took a phone Chris did not get his phone I out in the We are not <laughs> those people But if we'd watched That's what I said I would never do that But if we watched it at home My phone would have been mm-hmm. in my hand Yeah I would have been scrolling Because I, I, I was totally uninvested mm-hmm. And it was exactly the same way With Secret Invasion Yeah Actually Well What's yours? Um, Well One of a franchise I'm assuming died a death this year Indiana Jones Yeah, Indiana Jones and The Dial of Destiny. Cheese and pickle. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Last Crusade. Two absolute masterpieces. Mm -hmm. Incredibly enjoyable films. Temple of Doom is there. Um, And the other one (laughs) is also there. But for me, this... This it wasn't as bad as Crystal Skull. It wasn't as bad, but this should have been something more yeah. interesting. Uh-huh. It should have been fresher, um, and it wasn't. It was just uh, it, again. It was okay. It was a
0: damn fine cheese and pickle sandwich. Yeah,
1: I just walked. I walked out. Well, not damn. It um, well, was definitely a white. It bread. was a white bread.
0: Yeah. Um, well, maybe wholemeal.
1: Yeah, I'd be surprised if it was any butter on it either. Yeah. And it, it was has a ridiculous ending as well. Which, yeah, again, we're not gonna spoil it. Yeah, I just I, I, I left the cinema and I was like Yeah
0: Yeah. Yeah Whatever. Yeah. Um so that brings us to our trash the piece of the year. I don't know if it's uh, Absolutely. I think I feel like there's only one choice beyond Empire of Light, and yes. that is Piper. Piper. Good old Lizzie Hurley. <laughs> Um, Piper.
1: Piper is the story of Liz Hurley (laughs) uh, becoming a teacher in Hamlin (laughs) and having to fend
0: off the Pied Piper. As well as the weird centuries-old man on his horse who keeps trying to seduce her daughter Mm -hmm. as well. (laughs) Oh my god, it was so stupid. It is absolutely ridiculous in every
1: way possible. But so fun. Yeah. It's so fun. And that's... I mean that's why we have basic and trash to piece. Yeah. Because Piper's not a good film. No. But it's so bad it's good. It's camp, it's silly, it's stupid. Yeah. But it's fun. Yeah in that sense. Mm-hmm. You know, go in go in with low expectations and you won't yeah. be
0: disappointed. If you want to see um, Elizabeth Hurley fighting off uh, fighting off rats of a broom You will not be disappointed. And uh, finally, that brings us to our best and worst podcast films of the year. My favorite one that we've done this year is Perfect Blue. And my least favorite was the fucking abysmal Howlraiser Revelations, which Uh. I had seen before. But you never know how bad a film is until you sit down and you do your research and you watch it scene for scene. Yeah analyse it for the podcast.
1: Some good choices there. Um, my favourite podcast film of the year was Female Trouble. As we all probably knew anyway. Love that film. And for me, yes, How Raise the Revelations was close. But I went with Wishmaster 3 and 4. Because fucking yeah. hell. That was the slog. Watching those films. Two wasn't much better either. No, two wasn't great. Um, but those films back to back. Fucking hell. That yeah. was... A, that was
0: yeah, that was a long day. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, with that being said, it is time for our top 20 horror films of the year. Who would like to go first?
1: Oh, um... I'll go first. Go first. In at number 20 is The Blackening. Ah, nice. I really, really had so much fun with The Blackening. It was a really enjoyable comedy, you know, horror comedy. Yep. It, yes, okay, we've seen horror comedies play on stereotypes, particularly in regards to race. Yeah. But I, I don't think it was done as funny as The Blackening. Mm-hmm. I actually think it brought something new. Yeah. And, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I just had a real...
0: Lot of fun with that film. Yeah, really great cast. So many great jokes that landed, and some great horror horror element horror elements if I get my words out as well. Um, again, another one of those films where we saw the trailers so many fucking times. Uh, and it managed to be a great film.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I thought all the actors uh, did a great job. Really likable. Mm. Um.
0: Yeah, I I fully recommend watching it. Uh, in at number 20 for me is Cobweb. Ah. So uh, this is one of the films we watched at Fright Fest. So you'll have heard us discuss this on our Fright Fest episode from earlier this year. So I'll try not to repeat myself too much. But this was so much fun. Uh, a film that really I didn't expect a lot from. Because, again, basic trailer that we'd seen a thousand times. And, you know, I just went in expecting uh, three and a half, maybe three um, but no, it it was so much better because it's just so creepy. I love a Halloween setting in a mm,
1: film.
0: I really do. Such
1: a Halloween film.
0: And this has a perfect Halloween setting mm. and Lizzie Kaplan and Anthony Starr, oh my god, they are, as you said, given the couple from possession. Yeah. They are so camp in this film. They really ramp up the melodrama and it's not about its creepy moments either. It is a creepy film, but the camp value is off the scale and mm. it's just so entertaining, so entertaining. And, you know, we also get Cleopatra Coleman, who is fantastic as Mr. Vine, the teacher, and Woody Norman from Come On, Come On plays the kid in the film, and he's so good. He, you know, it's a film of great performances, really great cinematography, and some really fun scares mm-hmm. uh, that is perfect for Halloween time.
1: Yeah, nice little creepy film as well and and it wasn't too shocking so almost yeah almost like gateway horror yeah sort of thing yeah like really really well done that film yeah um now i probably ask this every year mm-hmm. so cobweb may feature on mine. then we will mention it at the time yes okay i probably do ask, i'm sorry guys i probably do ask that every year <laughs> We only provide you the as if, as if we don't live together. <laughs> as if I didn't have chance to ask this question three hours ago.
0: So, now that we're clear on the rules, uh-huh. what is your number 19?
1: Number 19, When Evil Lurks. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that is
0: a lot further up on mine. Okay. But we'll yeah. get into it. Yes. Um... Well, wow, you it's your, you
1: put wow. it first, so you you lead it. A when evil lurks, it came to us quite late in the year, maybe within the last twenty four hours. Twenty four hours. <laughs> um, and I I hadn't really heard of it, and um, Gary said, "Oh, we should watch it. It's on Shudder." Um, because everyone says how great it is. Yeah, and
0: Damien Rugner directed it. Who yes. we, we really enjoyed, Terrified. Yeah, yeah, and
1: um, yeah, it was, it's. Very shocking. Yeah. Very shocking film. um. Very intense. And yeah,
0: just, I don't want to spoil too it's, it's much. It's difficult. It's difficult. I think, yeah, I think I know what to say without spoiling it too much. I mean, the thing is, possession films aren't difficult to come by, are they? Mm. There's so many of them. There's so many of them. Yeah. And recent years, I'd say the last 10 to 20 years, they have been so generic, mostly. There's been some standouts, some some more on this list, but a lot of them, I'd say the majority of them, have been forgettable CGI mess, forgettable fucking... How many more times can I say forgettable? Yeah. bland, absolute bland. The Exorcist is the greatest possession film ever made, um, and nothing, in my opinion, has ever been able to top that, but a few films on this list... I think off the top of my head, maybe three if we're counting a certain franchise featuring Deadites as possession films, have mm. um, come close. This year has come close to, you know, being up there amongst the best possession films of all time. This is one of them. This is so mean spirited, so nasty, so horrible, Um, but it avoids possession tropes. yes this feels a little more in tune with the culture, the Spanish culture uh, within the setting of where the film is based. Mm -hmm. And I think it handles that really well. And it is essentially the basic premise is you have a demon floating around going from body to body because of a fuck up. And the fuck up itself feels like it's an allegory for COVID. A lot of COVID films have come out since it all went down. And this one, I think handles it maybe the best because it's so subtle with the way it does it, but the message is clearly there. Yes. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to the horror, this is fucking straight up scary and intense and brutal. And you want to have something nice lined up for after you watch it.
1: Yeah. It's very gory, very grisly. It doesn't hold back. No. In any shape or form. And, you know, there is a place for that in horror. Yeah. And I think for, for me and Gary, we probably look at that slightly differently. Mm-hmm. Um, which is probably why this is lower on this list, despite being a fantastic film. Again, it's a fantastic year mm-hmm. for horror films. Yeah.
0: But, you know, we, we differ slightly in yeah. some,
1: some respects.
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, it's the only film I've seen in, in a long time that's made me actually... Physically scream on oh, TV. I, I was surprised you didn't wake <laughs> up the neighbors. Uh, so for my number nineteen, a film we have mentioned already within our awards categories, it's Saw X. Yay. Um, I'm a I've been a long time fan of this franchise uh, since the first film. Every time they'd be released on DVD, I'd watch them. And Saw 3D came around. I started watching them at the cinema. Terrible place to start at the cinema. Um, but I've always been invested in the story of this franchise and it's why I was always, things like Saw 3D and Spiral, Spiral wasn't bad, but it was basic, you know, these films like just disappointing to see those points in the franchise that's been consistently good aside from that in my opinion. Um, but this really brings the franchise back on top form to the point I would say this is my favourite Saw sequel and it's set between saw one and saw two and you know part of me thought how's that going to work you know putting films in places like that we know how it's going to turn out. how are they going to explain this within a timeline but it handles it all brilliantly and it means we get tobin bale back as john kramer and this is his best performance in the role we get Shawnee smith back as amanda and again, she's fantastic. That wig is oh, that a whole other conversation.
1: Scarier than anything else um, in the film.
0: But yeah, brutal okay. traps. Uh, and that kind of, that thing that the first few soul films would do really well, where you kind of feel yourself for a moment like, oh, poor John cramer And you're like, no, hang on a minute. No, this guy is literally a murderer. Yeah. But it, it's so well written to the point that it can swerve you to almost feeling sorry for him at certain points. Yes. Yeah. Um, And we also get an absolute fucking camp queen in the form of uh, Snovi McCody Lund, who I may have pronounced the name wrong. I apologise if I did. Um, But she is fantastic as Cecilia. Saw films have never really had that camp value there unless we're talking about Shonaldi Smith's wigs. But Cecilia is such a fucking camp character. And... So entertaining to watch. She's a cold-hearted bitch. She is.
1: Um, what I really appreciated about Saw um 10,
0: Saw X, whatever.
1: Um, what I really appreciated, it didn't get bogged down with its connections to everything else. No. And I think so many of the Saw films get preoccupied with the twist it's true. or the oh, that's how yes. this is in here with this. And that's also a criticism for the MCU that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and this isn't an MCU takedown episode. But <laughs> but I I appreciate that it was its own thing. It had a beginning, a middle, an end. Yes, you know, it's grisly. You, you have your quintessential saw traps. Yeah. And the characters are interesting as well. And it kind of happens. And you're like, oh, actually, I really dug that. Yeah. That was interesting. And I don't have to you know, get the chalkboard out and try and figure out where it all figures into it.
0: Yeah, it's probably one of the only source sequels where you could watch this on its own, yeah. like, without having to watch all the other ones. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, you may question a few things, um, particularly if you haven't seen the first film, yeah. or, or the second one, actually. Um, But you can just watch it and, and enjoy mm-hmm. it and just be like, oh, okay, okay, that, that's a horror film, standalone horror film. Yeah. That's what I really appreciated.
0: And on to your number eighteen. Number eighteen is cobweb. There we go. So my number eighteen is totally killer. Oh. Um. Recent years, we've had the whole previously existing plots from mostly eighties films being turned into slasher films. Yes. With the same sort of tone of scream. So I'm we've... sure there's a
1: word for it that I'm
0: not. There probably is. Yeah. Um. I mean, you know, we've had Freaky Friday, Freaky. Groundhog Day with Happy Death Day, uh, It's a Wonderful Life very recently with It's a Wonderful Knife, and we've also had Back to the Future with Totally Killer, yes, and it is so much fun. Uh, it, yeah, it's like it's full <laughs> of meta humor, yes. Um, the 80s setting works brilliantly, it actually makes use of it, unlike some other films released this year, <laughs> VHS 85. Um, but it feels yeah. like an 80s film Great soundtrack, fantastic performances A fantastic mask for the killer Which looks like Max Headroom
1: Oh, th- yes It does And yeah. you know I don't like Max uh-huh. Headroom
0: Yeah um, You know, I think getting a Original feeling slash a mask These days isn't exactly The easiest thing to do But they managed to do it here And it looks great Yeah, very
1: 80s looks a little Billy Idol looks a little um Jason Donovan yeah. so it, yeah. really in keeping with the 80s yeah I just I I just thought it was a really fun slasher film really clever and funny mm-hmm. and if you like your 80s slasher films then you you'll see a lot of references and it's a bit quirky as well which I really enjoy yeah um mm-hmm. it, you know okay we're getting an influx of these kind of films, but they're all really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So long may they continue. As yeah. long as they're still enjoyable, you know, happy death day was a great film, mm-hmm. you know, even it's not in our list, but we still really enjoyed. Um, well, I'm assuming it's not in your list. It's not on my, it's a no, wonderful knife. It's knife. a wonderful knife, you know, still really enjoy yeah. these, these, these films. So yeah. keep going.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, for me, you know, this is what happens when you let the gays and the girls direct. Yeah. The gays the, the gays, the girls and nays direct horror films. Yes. Because clearly there's a reason why recently we've had an influx of films that are clearly inspired by Scream. Yes. You know? Yes. It's yeah, it's fantastic. I love it. Totally killer. So much fun. Go and watch it on Amazon Prime. Yeah, absolutely. Number
1: seventeen. Number 17. Now you're going to think, Chris, this was a 2022 film. Well, it wasn't. No, you explain the rules. It's okay. Here in the <laughs> UK, we got it in 2023. It feels like it was released a long, long time ago. It's Megan. It is. Or M. Fregan. M. Fregan. Gay icon. Just, yeah, really, really campy, silly. Again, kind of stupid in places. Yeah horror film just yeah. uh, switch it on and enjoy yourself you don't have to think too hard um <laughs> but just, when you do it's it like really
0: kind of funny but when you do think too hard yeah this is a very well written film Aww. that is a fantastic satire on doll films and okay yeah, that yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. Con- consumerism and yeah and, and ai an ai i mean you know the writer of *Malignant*, everybody. Yeah, you know, and you can tell.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't think anyone was expecting a straight up horror film. No. Um. So no one was disappointed because it's more than that, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's got a campy value to it Who that else? I really appreciated.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely,
1: and you know she's
0: a gay icon. Well, she is the gaze, now. She's the gays have adopted her.
1: You know, she's been memed. Uh, I'm assuming we're getting a sequel. We are getting a sequel. So that's something to look forward to. Yeah. much the same, really, you know. Mm-hmm. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So.
0: Absolutely. Uh, my number 17. We are on 17, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, good. Because then I can tell you my number 17, which is T-Blockers. Ooh. Uh, another Frightfest film. Mm-hmm. And uh, trans horror handled the right way
1: yeah I love and I I feel like I say this a lot um and it's only getting better I'm loving this queer horror that we're getting recently um over the last few years and it it, very much in keeping with um totally killer as well yeah we're getting those films that weren't allowed to be made yeah and we're getting them now and we're spoiled Mm -hmm. for choice Because we're getting some really fucking great queer horror films. We're we're seeing, you know, these grassroots queer filmmakers making horror that they love. You know, trans um, filmmakers as well are being Mm -hmm. given the platform that they, they... need and deserve uh-huh. Absolutely. to make these films and I think it's fantastic and I love the fact that this was shown at
0: Fright Fest mm-hmm. yeah I mean heads up anyone from Fright Fest to listen to this episode get films like this on the main fucking screen that's true not in the discovery screens this needs to be seen by more people Um, you know we had people in our screen who were seemingly shocked that it was a trans horror film it's like come on this this sort of thing needs to be given as big a platform as possible mm. Um, you know, it's very open in the way it portrays bigotry and the threat and horror that we in the LGBTQ plus community have to face all the time. It's shown in, in form of a very open way, but also as an allegory too, um, where you get parasites going from bigot to bigot. It's kind of in the style of a Mount film at times from the 80, like an 80s Mount movie. Um, some great gore and just very grounded, as well as that. Somehow, in a film with a parasite going from person to person, it's also very grounded and it's got a fantastic cast. Uh, there's some more touching scenes in there as well that are quite emotional. It's just a really fantastic piece of filmmaking that deserves so, as much attention as it can get. Mm-hmm. Really fantastic soundtrack and really, really great cinematography with some great use of uh, neon lights particularly during uh, the Big Mouth scene um, towards the start of the film. But yeah, really, really go and seek this out. It, as soon as it's available, keep an eye out for it. Absolutely. Get your pen and papers down. Note it down. We'll just follow you on Letterboxd. <laughs> well, yeah, do that. <laughs> so what's your number 16? Number 16 is Saw X. Ah, there we go. And my number 16 is another Fright Fest film, another result of the girls' gaze and nays, it is Departing Seniors. Oh, yes. Yes. Departing Seniors, yes. <laughs> I do, for a
1: reason, I thought it was on my list. I do thoroughly apologise. It wasn't. Yeah. I mean, it should be because it's
0: fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's... Well,
1: again, you know, let's see these queer horror films, yeah, please.
0: It's a queer and female gays on but late 90s. openly 19... queer. I want to yeah. see my queer characters in horror. Well, funny enough, whereas... Totally killer had Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. This has That's So Raven. <laughs> this is the horror version of That's it's So Raven. True. You didn't know you needed until now. Um, you know, we even get the Raven Simone's psychic face moment. We do, we do. Um, it's by uh, lead actor Ignacio Dias Silvrio who is fantastic in this film, and. Uh, yeah, it is just a super fun slasher film, and written by a gay man, made by a woman, you know, this is what we need. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, these are the voices we want to see now. Yeah. And be given, because it's a very well made film, uh-huh. and I'm assuming it had, you know, quite a decent budget, mm-hmm. at least they made it look like it. Yeah. Um. So I'm, I'm glad that
0: these films are getting the money. Yeah, and it, it, it also it touches on homophobic bullying as well but it the sole focus of the film isn't gays are having a terrible time which as we know from other films is important to show on screen because it's not always been available for queers to see growing up but it's also nice to have films like this where it's a gay character in the lead but the whole point of the film isn't that he's gay
1: mm.
0: you know it isn't that look at what a terrible time he's having because he's gay and I think those are just as important as the films that do show those things. You know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Another okay? fantastic film. What is your number 15? Number 15 is totally killer. God, yeah. My number 15, it's Fright Fest again. And it's Suitable Flesh. Ooh. Now, Suitable Flesh. Why do I keep going, ooh, is each time? I
1: know, you're surprised. <laughs>
0: They're all on my list as well, apart from uh, the pine scenes. Um joe lynch uh we watched mayhem the first year we went to fright fest really enjoyed it uh so i was excited to see another joe lynch film on the big screen at fright fest this film genuinely felt like it was written for us yes yeah (laughs) it's a spiritual sequel to reanimator from beyond and I love letter to stuart gordon in general um this is a this is If Malignant, if Malignant was an erotic thriller. Yes. Yes. Um, And coming from us, that is big praise because as soon as a sex scene happened and a saxophone solo came in, we're like, fuck, we're in. Yeah. This knows what it's doing. This is going for Channel 5 erotic thriller on a Friday night. Um, But with body horror and Lovecraftian elements as well. And best of all, with Heather Graham and Barbara Crampton at the center of the film. Oh, my God. It is just amazing. It is genuinely amazing. And, again, I-, I can't believe that this is my number 15. Yeah. That's how good this year has been. Yeah. Um, Because this is just, oh, my God. It's just everything you could want from a film like this. Judah Lewis is also fantastic as... uh The perpetrator of everything that happens in this film. Um, The chemistry between the three of them is just incredible. And something that my least favourite film of the year across all genres doesn't understand, Family Switch, is it's a body swap film where it's believable when a character goes into another character's body, you think they are playing that other character. Yeah, there's some acting actually going on. And there is some acting acting some fucking camp acting at that as well it's almost like a horror soap opera at times
1: yeah um i i love it love it love it love it um it has that real camp sensibility that i really cling to in horror yeah you know my my favorite horror is is campy yeah i like it i i don't like are too serious all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think there's room for films like this. It's just silly, yeah. and I don't want to be that guy who says, "Oh, and well, if you don't like it, you just don't get it," because you know, if you don't like camp, then yeah, I understand. But really, I just I hope everyone just gives this a shot. Yeah, and if you want to enjoy it with more, an open mind,
0: watch some erotic thrillers before you watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but
1: with an open mind, don't you know, don't. I don't know. I just... I really want people to enjoy it. Yeah. And it's on Shudder. Well, I don't know.
0: I didn't make it. it it's on still... Shudder, so... Easily accessible. Yes. Okay. And what's your number 14? Number 14 is T-Blockers. Nice. My number 14 wasn't at first. It's Thanksgiving. Hey. And honestly, anyone who knows me are probably gagged right now. Because I fucking hate Eli Roth. i'm not a fan at all in in any sense of the word uh didn't like hostile didn't like knock uh, narc. just yeah just not a fan not a fan let's put it that way so the fact that i watched this film and thoroughly enjoyed it and gave it four and a half stars out of five massive shock to me really really was a shock and um Actually, the more I'm talking about it, it probably should have been my Omar My Christmas God Award for horror, actually. <laughs> but at the same time, it's a, it's a slasher film inspired by eighty slasher films and ninety slasher films, so it would have had to have been pretty fucking bad to fuck it up. Um, it's based off his Grindhouse trailer, which I actually loved, so again, also makes sense. Uh, and it kind of it moves away from the seventies kind of style of that trailer, and instead feels a lot more like Scream. Which, I mean, I am not complaining. But also, before we continue talking about Thanksgiving, and before we talk about another film later on on the list as well, just want to make it clear we do not support Spyglass Entertainment and um, whatever the studio is called, and what they did uh, with Scream Seven and the cast. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's a shitty move, and. We're not here to promote Spyglass, but we are here to promote the hard work of the cast and crew involved with making this and another film later on on the list. Uh, And it just, it needs to be mentioned. It is one of the best horror films released this year. It is one of the best slasher films released in a while, you know, and so is the other film later on as well. Um, It's just fun. It's just fun. And it's a fun murder mystery as well. Again, very Scream in the way it plays out. It's murder mystery. Um... And a great cast. Yeah, and and there's some
1: really great gore, some yeah. really good kills. Um, I don't feel like it's trying too hard. No. And I feel with some of... Well, I've only seen, what? Green Hostel. Inferno Green and Inferno, Hostel. Yeah. I feel like both of those films try too hard. Mm-hmm. and They try too hard to get a certain reaction out of and I don't doubt for a minute that Elo Roth isn't a huge horror film fan. Yeah. And doesn't take inspiration mm-hmm. from the horror films that he loves. You can see it. But for me, those films try too hard. Mm-hmm. This one is like, nah, fuck it. I'm going to make a really fun Thanksgiving horror film. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. And it's great. It's yeah. so much fun. And it's, it's, it's everything that a slasher film should be. Yeah. You know, I don't. I I feel like more than any other sort of subgenre of horror, slasher is probably the most fun. And I know that you know people are getting killed. I do understand that, <laughs> but I feel like it's always the most fun, mm-hmm. the slasher films, and this one doesn't take itself too seriously. No, and that's for not. the best.
0: Yeah, um, I think the killer's costume and mask is really creepy, and. Uh... I like the little nods to Halloween, My Bloody Valentine, Black Christmas, April Fool's Day, Happy Birthday to Me. I know he did last summer. And obviously, if you've seen the Grand Hash trailer, Cutting Class. Yeah. That trampoline scene is set up so well in this film. Eli Roth knew that people were expecting it. And the trampoline gets its own spotlight and everything. It it's, does. it's great. Yeah. Um, But yes, Thanksgiving is my number 14. What is your number thirteen? My number thirteen is suitable flesh. Great. My number thirteen is, and it is a horror film. It's dream scenario. Yes, it is. It is. A it's horror a horror film. comedy. Yes, definitely does more into the comedy than the horror, and a lot of drama as well. Um, but it's a horror film, and it has some fucking creepy scenes in there. Yeah. Produced by Ari Aster, of course. So it definitely makes sense. Um, with how darkly funny it is at times. And uh, starring in the lead role Nicolas Cage in what is one of my favourite performances of his. One of the best performances he's delivered in so long. Well, since Pig, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I feel with um Nicolas Cage, yeah. you, you're never quite sure what you're getting. Uh-huh. Because he can be very, very good. Mm-hmm. But he can also be very bad. Yeah. And I feel like we, for the most part, stay away from the bad. Once, and twice shy yeah. with Willy's Wonderland. Uh-huh. um, And I think he is capable of really great performances, like Dream Scenario. Yeah. I think it's a great film. I think it's very clever. I think it's very funny. Mm-hmm. I think the horror elements to it are quite scary, mm-hmm. actually. And I think, again, Nicolas Cage does them very well. Yeah. Um, and I and I, I don't think, and people might question us putting it on a list for horror, but I don't think horror films have to be horror, you know, at 100 miles per hour no. from start to finish. I think we can have aspects of mm-hmm. horror in a film and still call it a horror film, you know? Yeah. We get lots of horror comedies, you mm-hmm. know, which one outweighs the other. Yeah, No, definitely.
0: Um, and it's also, it's directed by Christopher Borgley, who did Sick of Myself. And Sick of Myself is hilarious. It's phenomenal. And almost a horror
1: film as well. In in itself, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, that took a look at what people would do for attention. Mm -hmm. Whereas this kind of focuses on someone getting attention by accident. Yeah. You know, this is someone becoming famous via going viral through something they didn't do you know and they get all the consequences of it and the idea of this man appearing in everyone's dreams it's both hilarious but it's also it really does make for some creepy scenes um with the way the dream sequences are set up and whoever has the rights for a nightmare on street currently they should take a look at this film and strongly consider hiring the director to do the next nightmare on street and i agree completely
1: but yeah, this is. Uh... But don't cast Nicholas Cage. That's pretty crude. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe don't do that. Yeah. And uh, what's your number thirteen? My number thirteen is Suitable Flesh. Is it? Yeah. my stream scenario, we've already done thirteen. Oh what's shit. What's your number twelve? Thanksgiving. <laughs> my number twelve is New Life. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I feel like we can, we're getting to that point now, and I think it happens every year. Uh-huh. Well, I've put them slightly higher than you. Yeah. Because um, I'm, I'm nice like that. I've put them slightly higher than you, but then completely um, ignored a few of <laughs> you put as well. So, so it's me going, oh, nice. <laughs> like, I'm surprised. Because... Well, I hope this one's on yours. <laughs> it, it certainly is. It definitely certainly is. So
0: this is um, the directorial debut from John Rossman. And I say that because the fact that this is a debut is fucking wild this is only 85 minutes long it's John Rossman's first film and it is phenomenal like I with films at Fright Fest you never know what you get until you watch it and as I said this is my biggest horror surprise of the year because I had no expectations for this whatsoever but it completely blew me away um, it's emotional at times it's so intense and it has some fantastic representation for people with ALS yes um, the way it's incorporated into the story is never exploited. Uh, it adds to the story, but it doesn't exploit it whatsoever. It just raises awareness for it within a really compelling film. And the performances by Sonia Welger and Hayley Erin are just fantastic. It's just such a great film that you would never believe is by a first time director on a live budget. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It shouldn't be this good.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it's character driven, which I really like. Um, it's got layers to it. It's never anything short of fascinating and thrilling. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like as a directorial debut, um, and I don't know if this is a fact or not, but it feels like somebody who's sat on this amazing story that they've had for a long time mm-hmm. and they've waited for their opportunity and they've made the most of it yeah you, do you know what i mean mm-hmm. like wh- when a debut is this good you know that someone has had this in their back pocket yeah and they've been like okay i really want this opportunity mm-hmm. and then they yeah it, it's a film that deserves to be seen by a lot more people um i'm looking at it on letterboxd now 318 people yeah have logged it and i think it needs to be a lot more because it yeah. really really is Yeah, it it, it deserves a a proper release yeah yeah and
0: we can't really say much more about it than that because if we say any more about where the direction of the film Mm -hmm. goes in it's a big spoiler yes absolutely just watch it go out and find it when it's whenever it's released wherever it's released yes so up next is number 11 for me it's new life. There we go. <laughs> for me, it's probably for that's not gonna appear on yours then, which is this a sad. Oh. Uh mine is and Ennis Men. Oh yes. Do you remember what you described this as?
1: <laughs> you don't get me into trouble. I described it as Skinnerink's slightly more interesting mother.
0: Yes, and that is so accurate. Um, this is an art house film. It's an experimental film. Definitely not for everyone. If you do not like slow burning art house films, this is not for you. Don't take my recommendation. Don't watch it. But if you love surreal, creepy, slow burning art house horror films, this is a must watch. It's one of the more unique and original films this year, but it also has similarities to stuff like images Meshes of the afternoon hour of the wolf don't look now the wicker man um and it's simply a film about a woman who shows us where your mind can go and what it can do when you're living an isolated and repetitive lifestyle and the way mark jenkins deals with this is so impressive and knows how to draw you in with like this subtle quiet side to the film while showing beautiful visuals. um, And then when it gets really creepy, it's just, it's a little jarring and it can be uncomfortable at times. It's really eerie and it's all shot on 16 millimeter. So it looks fantastic. And it's just, I loved it. I, I really did.
1: Yeah. As someone I, I like a slow burn and I like art. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I just for me personally, and I really enjoy. I thought it looked great. I thought the performance was fantastic, and uh, it you know the, the films that you said are some of my favorites. The ones that it sort of references and is inspired by. Um, I just for me personally, I think it could have done with being a fair bit shorter.
0: I do agree with that. Yeah,
1: and that's why. I haven't put it in my top 20. I would say go out and watch it if it sounds like something mm-hmm. you'd enjoy because it was something I enjoyed, but only for a certain amount of time. Yeah. It it kind of got a little tedious for me. Mm-hmm. It would have been a fan, you know, something like Meshes of the Af- Afternoon is a short yeah. film. Yeah. And I think this could maybe have done with chopping quite a bit of time.
0: Off. Yeah. So. Before we get to our top 10, oh, yes. we have our first round of Honourable Mentions. Oh, And first round of Honourable Mentions goes to the horror genre. So, first up, I have Megan. Yes. Yeah, she could have made it in if my number 10 choice, if we didn't watch it just before recording, mm-hmm. she would have been there. But our gay icon just missed out and... <sighs> I still think everyone should go and watch her because I love Megan. It's a great film. Night Siren, uh, which is a never slow burner, art house film with supernatural element, witchy elements to it. And it's just fantastic. Haunted All Live, It's a perfect tribute to Ghostwatch. And anyone who knows me knows how much I love Ghostwatch. It Lives Inside, a film that could have easily been generic. But thanks to incorporating different cultures in, it's actually fantastic. Where the devil roams, another fantastic fright fest film that is so weird and so fantastic. Uh, Doctor Jekyll, brilliant take on this classic tale. Um, that really, it got a theatrical release, and I'm so glad it, it deserves to be seen by as many people as possible. Sick, which was a great Kevin Williamson slasher film. Rink will not be on Chris's honorable mentions, but I thought it was terrifying. Blackening, as we've already spoke about. It's a Wonderful Knife, as we've mentioned. Fantastic gay horror. And Knock at the Cabin, more gay horror. What more could you ask for?
1: Yeah, I completely agree with all of them. Um, I would just like to add the Pope's ex... Oh, excuse <laughs> me. My apologies. Cocaine Bear. Cocaine which Bear. Which I thought was it yeah. a really enjoyable... That should have um, been on there, yeah. Yeah. Um. Animal in crazy animal... What's the word? Creature Feature. For? Creature Feature. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, it did look cocaine bear. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I've, all of those in any other year would have made the top 20. Yeah. All really fantastic films. Mm-hmm. You know, even something like Renfield, which I had no yeah. expectations for, turned out to be
0: quite enjoyable. Yeah, but we couldn't know? have two Nicolas Cage films in the top 20, we could we? could, and well, that was, yeah, a little too much, a little too much. <laughs> um, and I'd also like to give an honourable mention to Patrick Wilson featuring Ghost. Oh. Uh, their cover of Stay... By Shakespeare's sister was the best thing about Insidious the Red Doll.
1: And me may, may have been my uh, biggest gasp of the year, but
0: <laughs> Well, wow. but it's not in your top ten, is it? It's not,
1: no. <laughs> because the film
0: was um what's the word they use mid... mid. Um, so with that being said, let's get into our top ten. I feel like doing a top of the pop. Well, now we're in ten. We'll swap over and I'll go first. Oh, exciting! First up, we have the film we watched today that knocked Megan out of the top twenty, <laughs> knocked <sighs> Ennis Men out of the top ten. It's Raging Grace. Yes. Um, this was at Fright Fest, but we missed it, mm-hmm. and everyone was like, "Gary, Chris, it's your all sort of thing. You should absolutely watch it." And. Can I ask a question? Yeah. What did we watch instead? Can you remember? I think it was something good. Okay, that's It good. was something good. Yeah. yeah. And that's the frustrating thing. I think it may have been Dr. Jekyll. Actually. Okay. It's the frustrating thing with Fright Fest this year. Fright Fest was really, really good. Oh. And there's so many good films on at the same time. But I'm glad this got the main screen treatment. A lot of the time, people throw out, this is this year's Get Out, if it's a film about race. But I can tell you now, this is this year's Get Out. And as you said earlier yourself, Chris, it is like a crossover between Get Out and Parasite. It's grounded, it's really touching, and it has themes of immigration, racism, and colonialism seamlessly inserted into the story in a way that really, really works. Yeah.
1: There's some very interesting twists and turns on the way that we won't get into. Um, But it, it is, at its heart, a very timely film with... The discourse and not to say this hasn't been a conversation for decades, but the current discourse on immigration here in the UK, um, it's very timely. Mm. And I thought the acting was superb. I thought the horror elements were doing well. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just I really recommend it. I don't want to say too much because it is. Here in Manchester, UK, it's at the cinema. Yeah. yeah. So I really, really, really want people to go out and see it. Because yeah. it's a film that deserves to be... Deserves the backing. It deserves, mm-hmm. you know, people going to see it, asses in seats.
0: And it was fairly busy, our screening today. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it really was. I mean, was that's, that is I was pleased with. great to see. I mean, again, you know, another directorial debut, uh, this time by Paris Zarsila and... You know, seeing directorial debuts as good as this I mean, my best film of the year across all genres is also a directorial debut. It's so exciting to see what's to come from all these fantastic directors. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I completely agree. And I I just feel, and I don't want to sound like a cliche when I say this, but I'm just loving these films that are getting attention that aren't from straight old white men. Yeah. You know, and that's not to say that I don't love films directed by old straight white men. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but I want to see more of these films with a, a unique voice. Yeah,
0: absolutely. What's your number 10? Number 10 is Raging Grace. Nice. Um, uh, My number nine is When Evil Lurks. And we've discussed that. Oh, wow, so yeah. I was, I was like really <laughs> scrolling
1: back. Um, Number nine is Dream
0: Scenario. In that case, my number eight, the family that make some of the best body horror and sci-fi horror are back. And this time it's Brandon Cronenberg and it's Infinity Pool. Ooh. Infinity Pool was fairly early on in the year. Um, What's the first thing you think of when you think of Infinity Pool?
1: James.
0: <laughs> really? James. <laughs> what you doing, James? Uh, for me, it's Alex- <laughs> Alexander Skarsgård's cock. Uh, How often is it you can say you can go to the cinema, a mainstream cinema, you know, one of the big chains, Odeon, in the centre of Manchester, and watch Alexander Skarsgård ejaculating? Not often. Uh, But this film is all sorts of fucking bonkers. And for me, even better than Possessor. And I loved Possessor. This is so weird, so uncomfortable, and just really... Keeps you thinking throughout. And Mia Gough is phenomenal. As always, bringing the high camp value um, in her role as Gabby. Mia Goth on the front of a car, taunting Alexander Skarsgård, whilst eating a bucket of chicken with a bottle of wine. <laughs> highlight of the year.
1: <laughs> um, and it's I, creepy as well. It's a scary it horror is, film. But also, creepy. everything it's, else about it. It's really it's, wild. It's really out there. Um, but doesn't get lost of its own back. No. And I, I feel there is a fine line between being arty and avant-garde and mm. getting lost up your own arse. I think David Lynch has found that perfect recipe. Yeah. And I think Brandon Cronenberg, just like his father, mm-hmm. is also doing that really well. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, it's one of his films you feel. Yeah. And... You kind of just allow it to happen Mm -hmm. and go with the flow, Uh, go with the load, Um, uh, Yeah, and just appreciate Mio Garth for the absolute queen that she is. Uh You know, not only does she look like Shelley Duvall, Mm -hmm. but like Shelley Duvall, she's slowly becoming one of my favourite actresses.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's... The second best film that laughs at rich people this year. (laughs) And uh, what is your number eight? My number eight is Scream 6. And that, ladies, gays and days, is my number seven.
1: And my number seven is Infinity Pool. So let's talk about Scream 6.
0: Yes. This is potentially the last Scream film we're getting now yes realistically um and it is such a fit if it is it is such a fitting end to the franchise because again you know much like sorex this is my favorite scream sequel um it's just fantastic it continues what scream 5 or scream as it's also known did so well uh, with its commentary on recalls and such and it does it even better here the legacy cast started i've started to feel like the original cast to me now i feel really invested in them they're so likable um and it's just a fantastic intense gory camp slasher film it is i love the fact that it's set in new york
1: it almost feels like um the older films set in new york Mm. It, it New York becomes a character yeah. within the film, and I love that. Um, I do, I, I love the twists and turns on the way, mm-hmm. like I always do with Scream. Um, I really, really, really fucking love the opening kill. Yes. I thought that was yeah. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and like you said, you know, I became really invested in these characters now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, I wanted hashtag justice for Nev Campbell. Yeah. I did want that and you know, maybe I did go in wanting to hate a scream film without Sydney. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ended up having a really, really great time.
0: Yeah, Gail's at her best. And... Oh my
1: god, Courtney Cox is so good in this.
0: And of course, you know, uh we have Kirby back as well, who is an absolute camp queen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good old
1: Kirby. Do you know who is hilarious on TikTok? Who? Courtney Cox. Oh, okay. Like, really hilariously funny on TikTok. Um, well, be sure to check that out. And her
0: TikToks have made my number five. No. Well, um, for me, with Scream, the bar for the most intense scene is always set by the cop car in the alleyway in Scream 2. Mm. But for me, this film surpasses it not once, not twice, but three times. The bodega scene... Thank you, Lionel Rich. The, the ladders from building to building scene, and the subway scene, all included in the trailer, but that didn't take anything away from it in the film, and it's so intense. Um, yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I'm sure they've memed. Have they memed the ladder scene? Like... Like, I mean, if they have. I haven't seen it. (laughs) Okay. Almost like... Like... She's twerking on the ladder. What? Yeah. I've I've not seen this. No. Um, yeah, I think so. I think I think the gays have memed it, potentially, as as they're inclined it's to do. Nothing
0: sacred anymore. Nothing. Um. So your number six was Infinity Pool, yeah. My number seven was Infinity uh, number Pool. Number seven. Okay. Well, my number six. I wonder if it's the same. It's Evil Dead yeah. Rise. Ah, yes.
1: Oh, I wrote Evil Dead Rises. How embarrassing <laughs> is that? <laughs> Why would I say, I? good job you, well, I mean, I've just, I've just admitted it to everyone. But now everyone knows. Imagine if I went first yeah. and I was like, oh, Evil Dead
0: rises and you'd
1: correct it does me. Does it
0: now? But- um, For the third time on this episode, my favourite sequel in this franchise. Yes. Oh my God. It's been in such a great year for horror, both in pre-existing franchises and original horror films. I mean, this is just, oh. It is everything an Evil Dead film should be. Fantastic trans representation as well, might I add. Um, and a fucking badass female in the lead. Now, obviously, we all love Ash in Evil Dead. We all love Bruce Campbell. He's iconic in the role. But having a woman in the lead in this franchise, and I did it with 2013, it's always so fucking cool. Uh, and Beth yeah. is such a great character here.
1: What I love is that Evil Dead Rise is, what, how many films in to this franchise now? Five. Five. And like you said, Ash is the face of the franchise. and That's including the TV series Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. So to have these completely new characters come in to a film that is Evil Dead, uh-huh. and our expectations of what an Evil Dead film are. To have these characters, this family come in, mm-hmm. and for the film to make me not only like them, but, like, be really invested in these characters, like, genuinely caring about them and the situation they're in, I mean, that that's difficult. Yeah, and... And the film does it so well.
0: Yeah, and the best part about that is, after the incredible opening scene, we get character development for our main characters for about 10 to 20 minutes. And then after that, it is just relentless, like gore after gore after gore after kill, after kill, Mm. after kill after, you know, brutal violence. But we already, within that 10 to 20 minutes, it helps us get to know the character so well to the point that it makes us care about the the film. And the change of location makes a huge difference to this Mm -hmm. film. We've seen the Cabin in the Woods done many times, you know, we've we've gone back a few centuries in Army of Darkness. Having this in just a small flat in a high-rise building, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. I like when
1: horror when sort of supernatural mm-hmm. horror comes into the sort of modern world. Yeah. Or or the real world. Mm-hmm. It's it's not in some far-off forest somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's your next door neighbour who's trying to kill her children. Yeah. You know, it it's mm-hmm. it's that and I I like that and I appreciate that and it makes something that is very very far fetched. Yeah. And it is truly an evil dead film. Yeah. It's true to the evil dead formula. Um but it kind of makes it more relatable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah. You know, um despite it
0: being highly ridiculous. Yeah. But also very, like when evil lurks, very mean-spirited. Yes, yes, definitely. And now we're into the top five. My number five is, and it is a horror film, it's Give Me Pity. Ah, yes. It's a psychedelic horror film um, mixed in with a musical and a comedy. Based on uh, TV specials. Yes. of the seventies and eighties. So if you are familiar with Silla's Silla uh, Black's Christmas Eve, this is like a horror version of that. <laughs> it is, but it, it's
1: very, um, it it's a, a sort of American sort of thing. It's, yeah, it's the Carol Burnett show. Mm-hmm. It's an audience with Cher. It's the Sunny and Cher Hour. It's that kind of thing. It's the Brady Bunch Variety Hour. Yeah. So um, I I'm gonna read off. From Letterboxd, because Sissy St. Clair graces the small screen for her first ever television special. An evening full of music and laughter, glamour and entertainment. But Sissy's live event quickly begins to curdle into a psychedelic nightmare of vanity, insecurity, and delusional ambition. Provoked by the glowering presence of a mysterious masked man. Yeah. And that's where the horror comes into yeah. it. Um, For me, I fucking loved this film. Yeah. This is... What do they say? This is a bit of me. this is this a bit what us. I love. It's camp. Yeah. It's reference points to stuff that I love. Mm-hmm. You see anyone that I follow on Instagram? They post loads of these things mm-hmm. um and i I just I just thought it was absolutely fantastic. I thought the horror elements were very creepy. yeah, I loved what it had to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the fact that the um that Sophie Vanner. Houselberg, who played Sissy St. Clair, looked exactly like Bette Midler. And I think that was very deliberate. Yeah.
0: And Sarah Jessica Parker at and times. And Sarah
1: Jessica Parker at times. I was in, it's it's um, only 79 minutes long. Yeah. And I was entertained from start to finish. Fully entertained. Yeah. And I listened to the soundtrack on repeat the next day. Yeah. I, I, I genuinely, really, really, Fucking love this film,
0: yeah. Costume designs are amazing, it's all high camp, yeah. Um, but then also has its dark moments, and you know, it's a film about identity and security, yeah. And the desperation to be loved and adored. Um, and what better way to tell that than a one woman show uh, for 79 minutes in the style of a variety show from the 80s. Yeah.
1: yeah. And written and directed by uh, Amanda Kramer, yeah,
0: who also did. Please baby please. Yes. which was not a horror film but was also a fantastic film. Really fantastic. Just
1: for for me two five star films in the same this year. year from Amanda Kramer. Yeah. You know, I I really looking forward to what she does. Yeah. going forward. Uh-huh. Um because she's had a fucking great start, yeah. Absolutely.
0: Uh was that also your number 5?
1: No. What's my number, number 5 was My Mother's Eyes. That's my number 4. Um my mother's eyes is um, another fright fest film yeah and it's another film that's quite a slow burn it is and quite out there mm-hmm. and artsy somebody during the Q&A and I'm not sure if the director really understood what she was getting at but she sort of questioned if it was deliberately ASMRish uh-huh because it is a very deliberate film yeah, and it's it's slow but unsettling too. Mm-hmm. I really, really loved it. Actually, I I really loved it. But you you kind of have to make sure you're perky before watching yeah. it because make there sure are awake. very much ASMR elements there are yeah. to it yeah and for for you know for horror purposes at mm-hmm. times as well. And I don't want to give too much away because it's you know um it's an interesting film
0: it is it is i mean you know it's got some really interesting themes in there you know it looks at like living in our parents shadows dealing with their mistakes and finding your own individual identity and it does this in such a kind of futuristic almost cronenbergian way uh, that brings sci-fi elements into it as well and it's just so interesting so it it, it grabs you like with the visuals, where it's, it's kind of a really bright film, um, despite being so creepy and atmospheric. Uh, and the soundtrack, you know, the, the sound design is ASMR, and it uses classical music as well to great effect, where it kind of feels like an extra character in the film.
1: Yeah. Um, it's also like a piece of music. Yeah. With low, slow, and high points, mm-hmm. and crescendos yeah. and yeah re- really really uh, provocative and yeah interesting and yeah really fantastic yeah
0: film. really enjoyed it and that's my number four oh what's your number four
1: my number four is Bo is Afraid Bo is Afraid is my number three John Waters favorite film of 2023
0: yeah. Ari back <laughs> he's back um I think his films are slowly getting weirder as have gone on, her entry was pretty out there. Midsummer was even more out there. He did not give a shit if people liked this film. No, <laughs> he made the film he wanted to make, and it's fucking amazing. I don't
1: think sort of anxiety has been shown better on film. No, just the the times where in your head your ta- uh, the paranoia. Mm -hmm. that comes with anxiety the worry the ruminating thoughts are brought to life yeah so incredibly on screen the idea is is that person watching is that person going to try and kill me is there someone hiding in my bathroom does my mother hate me Mm -hmm. is my mother actually plotting against me all that stuff yeah all that guilt and anxiety so expertly shown on screen and it isn't completely ridiculous or stupid i mean it is kind ridiculous, of ridiculous but it's not it stupid is, yeah but it, it, it's so expertly done yeah that you kind of forget how far-fetched the whole thing yeah. is and it feels kind of real yeah. You, do, you, do you know, you know, when I. don't know mean. exactly what you mean. I am not do, trying not to spoil yeah. it, but there are certain moments where you're like, it's, oh my God, this is ridiculous.
0: It's an expertly structured film. Mm. Um, And when I first watched it, I admit I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. I only gave it four stars. Yeah. But on a rewatch, and when I knew what was coming and I was looking out for all these little things throughout, it became a five star film for me because it, I really realised what Ari Aster was doing and he nailed it. Yeah. I mean, the first act the anxiety scenes are genuinely some of the most intense things I've seen because it's, like you said, it's so perfect. Almost they, relatable yeah, at times. it's weird. The way he puts it on screen has never been done like that before. No. Then you get the middle act um, with the house and the woods. Really fucking weird. Really weird. But the family in, in before the woods scene, the performances there are incredible. Mm. Um, and it just gives a real uncomfortable feeling. Like, you feel like something's up. But then, when you get into the act, it's kind of like, everything's off. Now All bets are off. This is the film, you don't know where this is going to go. No. And it has no limits. And there is a ridiculous visual that will never be any less funny. <laughs> there is a phenomenal scene featuring Parker Posey who really makes the most of small amount of screen time. Yes. And Patty Lapone fully deserves an Oscar nomination in my opinion <laughs> yeah. for Best Supporting Actress um with her role. Yeah but,
1: And I think Wacking Phoenix was Oh Wacking Phoenix was incredible as yeah. well.
0: But uh, honestly though, Patty Lapone in yeah, this film she is. is high camp. She is. Can't say any more about it other than that, but... It's a lengthy one. It's three
1: hours.
0: Again, first time I watched it, it kind of dragged. Yeah. Second time, flew by.
1: I feel like I'd like to give it a a rewatch at home where I Uh can feel... Not feel the three hours as much. Uh I think sometimes in the cinema, you do feel a lengthy film. Yeah. More than you do so at Mm -hmm. home because you can't get up and grab a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. So that's my
0: number three. What's your number three?
1: My number three is Talk To Me. That's my
0: number two. Ooh. And I assume your number two is Give Me Pity. It certainly is. Yes. And there we go. We are up to date. So Talk To Me. This was my number one horror film of the year for the longest time. And it takes a lot. It took a lot for this to be beaten. Yeah. So we've got a lot of nice things to say about number one. Um, This is, in my opinion, as far as straight up horror goes because number one mixes genres a little. As far as straight up horror goes, this is the best horror film we've had in a long time. Yes, absolutely. And another directorial debut. Another directorial debut by uh, the directors known as Michael, (laughs) Filippo, and Danny Filippo. And I had to just remind myself of that. 'cause I'm terrible. (laughs) Um, YouTubers. YouTubers. Yeah. And they have gone on to make this incredible horror film that is terrifying like i was actually scared in the cinema watching this there were moments i actually looked away it's horrible again mean-spirited people did not want a whole bat of horror this year did they no um and this definitely falls into that category possession yeah and again as i said about when evil lurks and with evil dead rise some of the best possession films we've seen in ages as well this is top tier for me, uh might be top five possession films because it just takes such a simple premise, a hand that lets you talk to the dead, and it just goes wild with it.
1: Yeah, it's also got something to say about grief. Yeah. Which is fascinating. Um, it's always gripping. I really felt for the characters, very interesting characters. And you can tell, and I I feel like I've said this a a thousand times on the podcast, but you can tell when someone or people, because there's two directors, have a genuine love Mm -hmm. for horror. Yeah. And you can see it on the screen and you can feel it. And you can tell when people are genuinely making the kind of films that they love. Yeah. Like thank God I have this opportunity to make Mm -hmm. this film.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's
1: it's not a studio thing made Uh for a a a quick um, book. Um, Yeah, it's a real passion project for people who want to make the kind of films that they want to watch. Yeah,
0: absolutely. At Raka Raka, the directors go by. By the way, okay, nice. Um, it is also I thought what was really interesting about this is that. When it starts out, if this is any other horror film from a few years back, and you know you get characters being as dumb as these guys, like, oh yeah, we're gonna constantly try and contact the dead, even though we know the consequences. You go, like, oh, get the fuck out of here, you know, I want you to die a horrible death. But this being released in twenty twenty three hits differently because it's such a great take on society's obsession with social media challenges to impress their friends. And that's what these characters are doing. So it feels like you know these characters. Like, this isn't unrealistic. No. This isn't unrealistically unlikable horror characters, because they are likable. They are people. You see, you know, a personal side to these characters' lives, which is easy to become invested in. But aside from that, they are doing things that kids do these days.
1: Yeah, and then that's why it feels real, because you do feel for them. And on the other hand, you think... What are you doing? Yeah. Why are these dumb kids doing this? Don't do it. Yeah. You know you shouting. Well, I, I don't shout at the screen, obviously, but you are shouting in your head. Mm-hmm. Don't do that, yeah. you moron. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes them even more real because kids will do dumb things mm-hmm. for a TikTok video. Yeah. You know we see it every day. I'm sorry, and it, it's it. You know, kids have been dumb for. For the whole of time, that's true, it's just there's more video evidence uh-huh.
0: of it these days, yeah. <laughs> um, with that being said, yes, we are down to our final <gasps> film, oh. but before we get to our final film, we have Honorable Mentions Part Two, and it's everything else that's not horror, um, yeah. This is going to be a quick fire round from me.
1: It is because it's a fucking long list. We've said it. We'll say it again. 2023 has been a fabulous year for film.
0: Yeah. So uh on social media, I'll give social media handles out at the end as always. Uh, but I'm posting my top 50 uh, across. Oh, well, <laughs> this will be released tomorrow. So today hey. it'll be out today. Uh, but also you go onto my letterbox and my list is on there for the full ranked list. I'm only going to give my five star films your honourable mentions. Yes. Unbelievable Is this many. So, Please Baby Please, Enter the Clones of Bruce, Band, Tish, Rice Boy Sleeps, Marcel, Marcel the Shower Shoes On, Theatre Camp, Tar, Are You There God It's Me Margaret, Kokomo City, Till, Broker, Return to Soul, Close, Women Talking, May December, Asteroid City, The Boy and the Heron, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Rylane, Femme, Priscilla, River, Killers of the Flower Moon, Bottoms, Barbie, How to Have Sex, Anatomy of a Fall, Saltburn. I'm gonna save my number one. Have is there anything there Ooh. that I've missed? Uh no, you haven't. No. I completely agree with all of those. There's nothing else you want to add? No. In that case, let's dedicate a little time to talk about the masterpiece that is past lives. Yes. My favourite film of the year across all genres. This is uh, again a directorial debut Mm -hmm. which is unbelievable um this is celine Song's directorial debut and i am so excited to see what comes next from her this is such a heartbreaking yet oddly comforting at times film that just really knows how to play on your emotions uh, but it's all so sincere like i'm i don't know whether this was something that happened to the director, but it wouldn't surprise me if you told me it was because it's so sincere. It's so lovely. And the main three performances are all fantastic. Even the American boyfriend who in any other film you think arsehole, he's getting in the way of true love, but he's not, he's so likable as well. Like Everyone in this film, in this triangle, that's so likable and it's so well written, so well directed. And one of my favorite films, it is just amazing.
1: It's a beautiful film in every respect. Um, I think it's so heartfelt. I think the performances are fantastic. And again, I feel like Celine Song, who wrote and directed the film, I feel like Celine has been sitting on this. Yeah, And this is her unique voice, Mm -hmm. her unique perspective. This is the kind of story that she's been waiting a long time. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure how old she is. Waited at a time, an amount of time mm-hmm. to to make, yeah. to say, to give to the world, and she did it so mm-hmm. beautifully. Yeah. Um. It it brings a tear to your right? eye. Yeah. You know the film. You know, I'm not, well, I'm not <laughs> weeping as we record the podcast, but it, it, it's really just fantastic. Just a
0: fantastic yeah. film absolutely so without further Ado it is time for I put a drum roll in if I knew where to find a good sample of a drum roll it's time before uh, uh, oh, how do we do it
1: in uh, Christmas vacation
0: <laughs> thank you do my Beverly dance it, it is time for our number one horror film of 2023 and it it's came it came in quite late This month, to be precise, Mm. and uh, it's the same for both of us. We always manage to have the same one. I Um, know. Maybe we need to switch (laughs) it up next year. It is Godzilla minus one. And I'm going to say it again. My second favourite film in this franchise. Yes. Yes, true. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, I was absolutely blown away by this. It's just kaiju perfection. This is, uh, with a lot of Godzilla films, uh, in the Showa era, it was always, it was going into camp. Any messages it had were very hammy, and it's fun. Fun, Love it. Love Godzilla. Um, Love those films. Then you get into your MonsterVerse films, and their action blockbusters, with very little else to go for them. This, now I haven't seen anything in between that, but hopefully that'll change soon. This manages to nail horror action and war drama all within the same film and perfect it.
1: Yes. Um it, it takes what the original Godzilla did. Yeah. Yeah. And really creates a war film mm-hmm. around that, which is also a horror film. Yeah. Because of the presence of Godzilla. But also the horrors of war, mm-hmm. um, and it's character driven. Yeah, the characters are really sort of likable. Yeah, and incredibly written characters mm-hmm. that you get behind. Um, it's beautifully shot. Apparently, it had quite a low budget. Yeah, and it was yeah, just, it did. it was kind of just made mm. because there was an anniversary coming up for the original Godzilla. So they did like, Oh, we should put a film together. Um, and they made this like really one of the best films of the year. Just. Yeah. I I don't want to give away too much. I mean,
0: we can say it's a film about the effects of war, PTSD. guilt, And redemption. Yeah. And you know, Godzilla is a great symbol for that. You know, it works really well. Um, he's always Godzilla's always been that political symbol there you know the face of the effects of war in Japan and it just takes it to the extreme here and makes something really touching from it and actually fantastic film again across all genres not just as a horror film but across yeah. all genres it is a fantastic film uh, and Godzilla's never looked so good no it's
1: it's incredible on such a lower budget yeah I, d- I don't get it Yeah, Godzilla look- and Godzilla is used expertly. Yeah. It's not... Godzilla isn't flying around ever-present. No. Um, I say flying around just because of the, the 70s sequels where he's doing a drunk well, yeah. kick. Um, But it, he's used expertly. Yeah. You know, it, it's a threat. It's the horror in the film but sometimes it's what you don't see or what you feel is going to happen. It's that tension. It's the... All that. Yeah. That creates a fantastic horror film.
0: Yeah. And it even uses the original score. Yes. I, if it ain't broke, don't exactly. fix it. Exactly. So that is our top 20 horror films of 2023. Of course, we recommend all of them. There's more than 20 there. It means there's two of us. Mm-hmm. And... With that being said, we have some more awards to give out. It's the awards round two. Yes. First up, biggest queen of our top 20 horror... Those, these are across our top 20 horror films. Yeah. I'm thankful you included this film so I can include her. My biggest queen is Megan. Ah. Uh, you know, she okay. only wanted the best. She only wanted the best for that kid. She did. Um, you know, yeah, some people died, but... She wanted a best. And she, you, she did a silly
1: little dance and she pulled a bully's ear off. What more do you want? She, you know, it's that old Jessica Rabbit. She can't help the way she's drawn. Exactly. She can't help the way she's AI. Can't wait for Megan 2.0. <laughs> uh, my biggest queen is Sissy St.
0: Clair. Understandable. Understandable. Serving throughout. Well. Uh, again, we are no spoilers on this episode, so I'm going yes. to give a very vague answer for my biggest gasp. My biggest gasp is the dog and the girl in When Evil Lurks. That's all, all I'm saying.
1: I agree, and that's all I'm saying.
0: Best dialogue, it's what made her star of Devil Wears Prada, Alyssa Sutherland, made her a gay icon <laughs> as Ellie in Evil Dead Rise, where she said, Mummy's with the maggots now. <laughs> um, I went with a similar theme of
1: constantly having to see the trailer and hear it. So I went with, this is the part where you run, from Megan. <laughs> But can I give a special mention yes. to James?
0: James, what are you doing, James? Yeah, absolutely. And finally, <laughs> that's camp. Again, no spoilers. And all I will say is Parker Posey and Mariah Carey in Bows Afraid.
1: <laughs> um, I went with uh, Sissy St. Clair again. Yeah, yeah. Her rendition of Grand Old Flag. Yeah. Which isn't a spoiler because you have to watch it uh-huh. to understand.
0: But then isn't that a spoiler? <laughs> oh, wait. Is that a spoiler? No, it's not a spoiler. I'm joking. Oh, no, it's joking. on the soundtrack. Um, but yes, that concludes our end of year episode. And what better way to end the year than with a preview of what's to come from us gays here at the Horror Call cool Trash River podcast. This year, coming up, 2024 is our fifth year. Year number five. Can you believe it? No. Well, it's true. Oh. Five years of doing this podcast, and to celebrate the occasion, usually we'd have a few themes here and there. This year, we're doing a theme every single month. In January, we have a mix of Dump Month and Japanuary. In February, it's our Women in Horror Month, as always, with a Valentine special thrown in, of course. In March, it's Mix and March, and this is films that are a little similar but have no connections, but they have interesting parallels that match up. And uh, we'll be talking about double features each week.
1: Yeah. So the kind of films that I would, or Gary would put on as a double feature. Yeah,
0: absolutely. April and Chris is so excited for this. He barely contains excitement. We're doing found footage through the years. Um, 2024, our fifth and last year. (laughs) Incredible. Uh, May is going to be hag exploitation. <laughs> now, now I'm on board. <laughs> June is Pride Month, as it always is, and every month is Pride Month, as we know. But for the podcast and for corporates making money, businesses making money, it's, it's June. Uh, July, uh, chosen by Chris himself, it's musicals month. It's musical. Not just musicals month, it is horror, cult, trash, other musical months where we'll have a musical. For each part of our name. Yes. August, it's Summer Screams Again, where you get to choose what we discuss from out of two films for each week. Another Chris choice <laughs> is Sexy September.
1: Yeah, it's about time we started covering some erotic thrillers. So you have A whole month of them. A whole month of erotic thrillers.
0: And October, Halloween Classics is returning... November is nasty November, as always. And December is, of course, our festive Christmas selection box. We'll let you into our boxes for December. <laughs> and we have, like, two Friday the 13ths That's true,
1: yeah. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre Texas Day. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Day
0: is still in place. All that goodness. So we have a jam-packed year coming up for you as a thank you for your hard work listening to us all the time. Right. You're welcome. Um, And and if you do listen to us, you already know this. But if you, this is your first time listening to us, then we are Horracle Trash over on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. Horracle Trash on Twitter. I'm Dead at gaz on Letterboxd. Gaz to on Instagram. And gazcruz 92 on Twitter.
1: I'm Chris Barker823 on
0: Instagram and Letterboxd. And taking place this year will be Gas Horror Festival Year 2 on the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd of June in Manchester at Corplex. We'll be bringing you another year full of fantastic films made by minority filmmakers only. A festival that celebrates diversity. And if you're new to us, then go to Gas power Fest across all social media. If you're not new to us, you had to listen to it again. There's a reminder. Tickets go on sale in early March. Unless you sign up to our newsletter, then it's uh, late February. Oh, so get on it. And uh, give us a rate of view Subscribe on iTunes Like a follow and everything else Next week We will not be having A Tuesday episode we'll Give you guys a little bit Of a break from our voices But instead we'll be back On Friday With matinee Kicking off Dump month
1: Yeah Joe Dante's Really fantastic Matinee Yeah so Really
0: no, Not just fantastic Really yeah.
1: fantastic I know
0: We've said it a lot This episode <laughs> So, so yeah. you know You can trust us <laughs> We'll be back same time, same place on Friday.
1: Bye. Happy New Year. Happy New Year.